Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. I am Brian Diardo, a part of Pittsburgh Steelers coverage on 24-7 Sports. Officially, that's pit.247sports.com. It's a pleasure to give you our third podcast of the season. We gave you one in the preseason. Uh, we gave you one in preparation for our game against the Patriots. And now, we're going to break down the New England game and get you ready for Sunday's game against the 49ers. Um, a little bit of house cleaning, first and foremost. If you do not follow us yet on Facebook, please do. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports. Again, the Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports. Right now, we've got about 829,000 people uh, that have liked our page. Um, we post at least seven or eight stories a day regarding the Steelers, and uh, uh, we also promoted our, our uh, talk show, this talk show, The Steel Conversation, um, last night. And I asked a question to our readers out there, who's your favorite Steeler of all time and why? And I said I would try to get to as many uh, of the commenters as I could, and I'm going to do that right now. So to start the show, I asked uh, our fans last night on Facebook on 24-7 Sports, uh, who's your favorite Steeler of all time? And, you know, there's so many to pick from. I mean, you go back to the, gee, you go back to the, you know, before the Super Bowl era, and already Stautner, John Henry Johnson, Bobby Lane, those were kind of the, uh, the earlier Steelers, uh, the Steelers that really gave us our first taste of victory. We had a couple winning seasons there in the early 60s, um, and, uh, you know, those guys were a huge part of it. Um, didn't get any of those guys, those names, but those are some great Steelers, and that just shows you the, the, the depth and the, and the riches of great players that have come through uh, the Steel City. But uh, here's a couple that uh, that I looked at before I got on the air. Um, Andrew Serrano said Terry Bradshaw's his favorite. Uh, Rose Tiani said Big Ben. He, she said, uh, coming in when he did in Baltimore, of all teams, he played well. He never got enough recognition as a great quarterback, but has now proven the Nayers wrong, including my husband, who is a Brett Favre fan since he was young. Always a Steeler fan since I could talk and will always be no matter what. So and referring, she said, you know, him, him playing for the Ravens, referring when Tommy Maddox was injured uh, in week two back in uh, the 2004 season. We're coming off a 6-10 and 10 campaign. Uh, Big Ben came in. We didn't win that game. Uh, we were we were down pretty considerably when Ben entered the contest, but Ben threw a couple touchdowns in his, in his first ever uh, NFL action, uh, regular season action, and then the next week started. Uh, we won against Miami in a monsoon down in Miami, and, and Ben did not lose a regular season game. 13 regular season games he played in and started in his rookie season, and the rest is history. Um, a couple other ones, a lot of big bends. Frank Wright, Rod Woodson fan, he said, uh, Steelers' biggest mistake was letting that man leave Pittsburgh. He could have switched side and had been a receiver, um, referring to when the Steelers let uh, Woodson go after the uh, 96 season. Uh, Dylan Conklin, Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker, Heinz Ward, and Antoine Randall. He's got four, no problem there. And Earl Clark likes Rocky Blyer. He said, Rocky set. Uh, the example for perseverance through his whole life, the sacrifice he made to get back to the game he loved and to be able to contribute to team efforts and goals is something worthy of all of our emulation. Rocky Blyer is a hero in my book. And then I'll get one more in. Uh, Big Twin says, I like Jason Gilden, Levon Kirkland, Joey Porter, James Harrison, Larry Foote, Mike Merriweather, Lawrence Timmons. I like all my Steelers linebackers, Steeler Nation baby. All right, yeah, for sure. Those are all great linebackers. Uh, Gilden Kirkland in the 90s, Porter the 2000s, and Harrison Foote, those guys. Merriweather, I think, is an 80s guy. Lawrence Timmons is a – and uh, Harrison, obviously, recent guys, and Larry Foote, who just retired a couple weeks back. 
played his last season with the Cardinals. So, without further ado, let, let, let's carve into last week. The Steelers uh, kicked off the season against the Patriots. Were the biggest underdogs, actually, going into their game against New England. Uh, they had the trophy unveiling uh, for Steeler fans. It was probably a kind of a disgusting scene, a scene that you don't want to see, uh, uh, you know, uh, on, 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 probably not on a Monday morning, especially starting off your week and, and, and seeing the highlights of that game and all the New England pomp and pageantry beforehand. But, you know, in any event, the Steelers actually came out and moved the ball really well. They, they gave the ball to uh, D'Angelo Williams early, had a nice 18-yard run on his, on his first carry of the season, first carry ever as a member of the Steelers. Um, but we, we failed to execute. Josh Scobie missed a field goal to, to end a promising drive. We didn't have a good play call. Todd Haley called a, a, a wide receiver option pass with the Antonio Brown that, that led to big, a big loss of yardage. That ever, honestly was kind of the first thing to kill our driver. We, we may have had – I think we did have a felony against our line. So, you know, it, it started out a great drive. Again, it, it was spearheaded by D'Angelo Williams. Heath Miller had a nice catch on the drive, but it ended with a missed field goal. Patriots come right down the field with Tom Brady, as you knew they would. Um, Brady likes the short passes. Uh, he, he works it, you know, short with Julian Edelman, and he found Rob Gronkowski open all day long. Gronk uh, gets the Patriots' first touchdown and second touchdown, I believe. It's New England goes up 14 nothing after the Steelers missed two field goals on their opening possession. Um, and that played a huge part of it. You know, when you have uh, – for a few reasons. A, you're not scoring when you miss field goals, obviously – the momentum has shifted, and the defense has to come back on the field, and there's more pressure now on them as twice the Steelers' offense kind of uh, ended drives in disappointment. And the Patriots take it, you know, and that's what makes great teams great. You know, in the 80s, the 49ers, I remember Joe Montana saying once, you know, we just live off of capitalizing on opponents' mistakes. And the 49, uh, the, the Patriots do the same thing. And the, the Steelers did it in the 70s, in Super Bowl 13. You know, the, uh, the Cowboys uh, took fumble. Uh, uh, kickoff return late in Super Bowl 13. Very next play, Terry Bradshaw hits Flint's one for a touchdown. I mean, football, just like all sports, it's it, huge in terms of momentum. And the Patriots did that to the Steelers. You know, after we missed our second field goal, what's New England do? They go right down the field. Uh, they, they, they take advantage of a wounded animal, and they score another touchdown on us. And that was another thing, too. I mean, and, and you know, as great as the Steelers' offense uh, uh, has been and will be this season, you know, that's on them. I mean, as, as well as Scobie, obviously, you know, we brought him in uh, to make those field goals. Um, so that's on him. But, uh, you know, you've got to be able to finish drives. And that, that's kind of been a constant issue uh, with the Steelers' offense. Again, as good as they've been over the last couple of years with Todd Haley, as offensive coordinator, and Big Ben, uh, you know, just really in the, in, the, in the prime of his career, even though it's already, you know, 12 years in, this really is his prime, uh, prime seasons right now. You've got to be able to finish drives. You know, no penalties. Yeah, the Haley, the Carter Brown. That I, I put more of that on Haley because at that point, why do you need a trick play? You know, your 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 normal stuff is working. So why go to a trick play at that point? Um, you didn't need it. Uh, again, it's easy to be me and say that you know after the fact. Uh, if it would have worked, he's a genius. But you know, that's just me in that in that situation. Just just run your normal stuff. But uh, in any event, you know, the players have to execute. And the Patriots, you know, had two good drives in the first half. They scored on both of them. Steelers had three good drives in the first half and only scored on one, and that was Scobie's field goal to make it uh, 14 to three going into the third quarter. Uh, and again, you talk about momentum, and you talk about the Steelers' defense and New England's offense. And you know, a lot's been said about the Steelers' defense uh, following Week One uh, that they were a disappointment that they didn't do well, uh, and, and they didn't. It was not the Steel Curtain. It was not Joe Green and Mel Blunt uh, and Jack Lambert and Ham out there. It, it just wasn't. And I'll be the first to say it. 
That being said, uh, if you remember the, 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 the last kind of dress rehearsal for the Steelers starting defense against Buffalo in, in the fourth uh, preseason game, and, and they allowed Buffalo to complete 30 of 33 passes, I, I think for, you know, three touchdowns, um, and just totally ransacked our defense. Uh, we actually played better than that game. Uh, and, and really, after that game, I honestly was going to the New England game with, with very low expectations of our defense. And, you know, yes, the bottom line is is they did not play well. However, it wasn't the demolition that it could have been. I mean, if you remember two years ago, New England put 55 up on us uh, in Foxborough. Um, it wasn't that kind of performance. I mean, the Steelers' defense, uh, you know, as it, it, with the exception of those four drives, did pretty well. Um, you know, uh, Bud Dupree had a nice sack of Tom Brady in his first ever snap, uh, or you know, as a professional. Uh, Will Allen did a good job uh, starting, which was a surprise, and we'll get to that later. You know, the Steelers did a lot of different things with their secondary. Um, Jamarco Thomas didn't start. Cortez Allen didn't start. Um, Antoine Blake did start, uh, you know, a right cornerback uh, as opposed to to Allen. So there were a lot of different things that were that were going on. You know, we, we had two different players at safety and at cornerback that normally don't start. And then Brandon Boykin didn't play at all, the, the cornerback we got uh, from Philadelphia for a draft pick this past offseason. So, you know, there were a lot of, of, of transitions that we went through in the secondary. And also our linebackers, and I wrote a story about this today for our website, uh, has been doing a, a revolving rotation with our, our four outside linebackers. Uh, he's done a thing where you know, each one, uh, you know, plays, you know, somewhere in the 20s in terms of uh, total plays for the day. Arthur Motes had 20, I believe. Dupree, I think, had 26. Jarvis Jones had 24. And James Harrison had 38, which is kind of ironic because Harrison's, you know, the oldest player by far at 37. He's a, you know, besides Motes, he's a decade older than all of our other defensive backs, or, or I'm sorry, outside linebackers. He actually is. He's 10 years older than Motes. So he's by far oldest player. And I, I thought the reason why why Joey Porter uh, implemented this revolving rotation outside linebacker was to spell uh, Harrison more. Porter even said in the off season, I want to give uh, Harrison twenty to twenty five snaps a game. He had thirty eight. So, but again, Harrison seemed to do okay. So uh, you know, and if he if his body at thirty seven is going to hold up, then that's fine. I trust Joey Porter, and I trust Harrison to let his coach know if he needs more of a blow. Uh, but that being said, there were a million moving parts on our defense, not to mention the fact that Stephon Toot was back after suffering an injury in the preseason against Buffalo, uh, you know, and, and the unit without Brett Kiesel. Uh, it's been a few years removed from Aaron Smith, but the Steelers still haven't found a uh, stalwart on the defensive line. So, again, lots of moving pieces on that defense. Did not do quite as bad as, as I think people said they did, especially it was kind of like, what, what were you expecting? I mean, we knew that their defense would be the question mark you going into the regular season. So it was kind of like, you know, what what did you expect? You know, if you would have told me going in, hey, you know, our offense is going to outgain New England's offense by nearly 100 yards and we're going to give up 28 points, I'm going to tell you that we have a great shot to win. And in the, in today's NFL, too, um, you know, with the new rules, constantly hurting defenses about, you know, how hard you can hit players, unnecessary roughness, um, protecting quarterbacks, uh, protecting receivers, all of those things. Um, on top of the of, of the rules they put in place in 1978, um, which was kind of the beginning of giving offenses an advantage over defenses to promote more scoring. Uh, you know, to, I, I'm assuming you know just so more fans watch and, and whatnot. You know, more points equals more fans, more excitement. I guess that's that's always been the thought, even though diehard Steelers fans, diehard fans of defense would would, would argue otherwise. Um, but that being said, it's a different game, and you really don't need 
dominant defenses anymore. I mean, New England's defense, you know, watching them was not much better than the Steelers' defense um, on Thursday. I would say New England's defense was better on third down. Uh, they were better, uh, you know, uh, defending their territory once the Steelers got the ball beyond New England's 40. New England made better adjustments facing the Steelers. However, uh, the Steelers' rush defense was, was much better than New England's. Um, you know, Deion Lewis, you know, the Steelers gave up too many yards to him. He had 15 carries for 69 yards, over four yards per carry. But, you know, as a whole, the Steelers only allowed New England to rush for 3.3 yards per carry. So that's a positive that you take away from the game. You know, Ryan Shazier, after being injured all of last season, you know, had seven tackles, continuing his strong preseason play. You know, that's a positive. Uh, they did pressure uh, Tom Brady with their secondary and with their linebackers. Uh, um, Dupree had a sack. Well, Allen had a beautiful safety blitz and nailed Tom Brady for a sack. So, you know, the Steelers are creating pressure um, from uh, their secondary, from their linebackers. And really, if you, if you want to be a little critical of a unit, you should be more critical of the line. As well as the line played against the run, they didn't put a ton of pressure on Brady, and we had to we had to use Harrison off the edge to blitz. We had to use Will Allen off the edge. We had to use Bud Dupree off the edge instead of having them in coverage. So really, if you want to put more of the onus of the loss on someone, you should put it on the defensive line, which, which we need to continue to see more improvement. Again, after Aaron Smith and after Casey Hampton and after all those wonderful players left our team, we haven't had somebody to step up. And I think Cameron Haywood's going to be that guy. I mean, that's, that's not a Nostradamus prediction. Anybody that watches the team knows that he's their best defensive lineman. Uh, but uh, we need to have more guys step up. We can't just rely on, on one player uh, to continue to do that. And hopefully to it, hopefully McClendon, and, and you know, hopefully those guys can continue to improve uh, in terms of, uh, of pressure against opposing quarterbacks. So, you know, with that being said, back back to the recap of the game here on the Steel Conversation on pit.247sports.com. You know, New England scored right off the bat starting the third quarter. And, again, that, that to me was, was a big blow to the Steelers because it was like, you know, you never want to allow touchdowns, but those are momentum, big momentum plays, big momentum possessions where you're thinking coming out of the half, okay, you know, we're down 14-3, but our offense has shown uh, promise. Um, you know, we, we would we'd love to have a good defensive stop, get the Steelers' offense back on the field, score again, make it 14-10 or 14-6, get it to one possession game. Uh, the Steelers' offense would eventually do that, but, but then, you know, at that point they were showing 21-3. That's a situation where I put that on the Steelers' defense. I put that on the coaching because, you know, you have the entire half to prepare yourself to face New England again, and you come, you know, right out and you let them go right down the field against you. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, you're putting your offense in an 18-point hole. But to the Steelers' credit, to Todd Haley's credit, their game plan, um, and they actually not only stuck with it, they relied heavily on their game plan, which was to, to attack New England with a balance of run and pass. And, D'Angelo did a great job. You know, he had, I think, three carries for 65 yards on the drive. I mean, he was just he was just a man. He pretty much just said, you know, get on my back. We're getting in the end zone. Um, he got the Steelers down to the one. From there, Will Johnson got the Steelers' first touchdown of the season. Uh, it's 21-10, and the Steelers are looking good. Um, and then, you know, on the very – I'm sorry, 21-11, because Marcus Wheaton caught a two-point conversion, which he did in the preseason as well against Jacksonville. And Wheaton's one of those guys that stepped up. Uh, in the absence of Sammy Coates and, and obviously Martavis Bryant, which was a huge blow. He was a big blow to the Steelers, I'm not going to lie. You know, and, uh, you know, in the first half, I'd be remiss not to say that, that the Steelers lost six points. When there's Hayward Bay, who, who caught a 40-plus yard pass and had some uh, some nice, you know, moments on Thursday night, 
his foot was out of bounds, right foot, when he was wide open in, in what would have been a touchdown catch in the first uh, half against New England, and it led to a missed field goal. That's, again, points off the board. Uh, Martavis Bryant, who knows what would have happened if he was in the game. But that was a huge blow. And as well as D'Angelo played, you, you wonder what Le'Veon Bell would have done. I mean, D'Angelo rushed for 127 yards. I don't want to take a single thing away from him. He's a great player, and, you know, he found the holes and he did his thing. But, again, it, it does make you wonder what's Le'Veon Bell doing, especially in the passing game. As great as D'Angelo is, you know, he's not the receiver that Le'Veon is. Nobody is. So it makes you wonder. You know, but but with all that considered, the Steelers' offense continued to do its thing, and uh, it, it got it to twenty-one to, uh, to fourteen on the Steelers' next drive. They drove it right down the field, um, and then there was the controversy with the Patriots' defensive line shift, causing the Steelers to jump offside at the one-yard line. Actually, the entire left side of the Steelers' uh, offensive line went offside, uh, and that led to a, a field goal instead of a touchdown. So it's twenty-one uh, to fourteen, uh, and then New England goes right down the field again. They score. Gronkowski catches his third touchdown of the game. Steelers score a late touchdown with two seconds left. Uh, don't recover the onside kick and lose 28-21. But, again, so many promises and things to take away from the game. And Mike Tomlin doesn't like moral victories. He's made it known in his, in his you know eight seasons coaching the team, or nine seasons, and, and I'm with him. I, I don't believe in moral victories either. But I'll say this, there's a lot of positives to take away from the game. You know, we talked about, you know, and I didn't mention this, Josh Scobie missed those two field goals, but – he did a better job, and he made, you know, his two field goals, you know, at the end of the first half and into the second half uh, to make the score 21-14. Steelers' offense looked as great as advertised. You know, Big Ben had over 300 yards passing. D'Angelo, 100 yards rushing. Antonio Brown, he caught nine of his ten targets for 133 yards. Uh, Marcus Wheaton played well. Uh, you know, as a whole, Keith Miller, eight catches for 84 yards. The offense, no complaints at all. The offensive line with Cody Wallace at center without Marquise Pouncey, you know, you know, dominated the line of scrimmage against New England. So, you know, facing a, a strong New England defense, uh, the Steelers did an excellent job. It wasn't the greatest defense uh, the Steelers will face. I mean, New England, uh, you know, you know, they're trying to, to, to recover uh, in the secondary without Darrell Revis and, and their other uh, strong member of their secondary that departed as well um, this offseason. So New England's got some holes to fill, and the Steelers took advantage of it. And that's all you can do as an offense. It doesn't matter the opponent you're, you're facing – take advantage of their weaknesses and execute. And, and that's what the Steelers did. Um, and, again, as I said, the defense, it was not an effort you hang your hat on, but it could have been a lot worse. And all you ask for in the early part of the season while the Steelers are, are figuring out who's starting in their secondary and while the Steelers' young linebackers, still young linebackers, you know, continue to mature and learn and grow together, all you can ask is that they put their offense in position where they can win the game and not have to score 40 to 50 points. And the Steelers' defense, you know, as bad as they played Thursday, they did that. You know, if the Steelers are, are better in the red zone on offense and they don't jump off sides of the one-yard line and they they convert those field goals, you know, we're talking uh, 10 more points on the scoreboard. So, you know, we're, we're talking a 31-28 to 28 victory. If the Steelers don't jump off sides of the one and score a touchdown, they're not kicking that field goal. You know, if uh, they make those two, two field goals by Scobie, now we're talking six extra points. So, the offense certainly has opportunities to win, and we didn't even mention Big Ben's interception uh, when the Steelers were driving down by two touchdowns. So, and th- and that's on Ben. So, if, if we clean up the execution, we win that game. So, again, as bad as defense played, uh, they certainly put the Steelers in position offensively to win that contest. But in any event, we move on. We move on to the 49ers, and uh, my goodness, they had uh, a very impressive showing um, 
you know, in their game on Monday. They won 20-3. to uh, They defeated the Minnesota Vikings. They held Adrian Peterson to 10 carries for 31 yards. And Carlos High, which I'm an Ohio State Buckeye graduate, so I've got to give him some love, 168 yards and two rushing touchdowns uh, on the ground. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, 49ers, uh, kind of much maligned quarterback. He drew some criticism after uh, the Niners' 8-8 eight eight season last year. Uh, a very workmanlike game. Uh, you know, he threw for 176 or 165 yards on 17-26 passing, had 41 rushing yards in the Niners' 17-point victory. But really the story was um, the Niners' zone read offense and its success against Minnesota's defense. Uh, and conversely, the 49ers' dominant defense, led by Eric Mangini, the former coach of the Jets and assistant with the Patriots when they won three Super Bowls uh, in the early 2000s. Um, they did just they did a number on the Vikings' offense. They sacked Terry Bridgewater five times, picked him off once, and the Vikings were 1-9 and nine on third down. So uh, this is a complete team the Steelers are going to face. They were in a two-tight end set with Garrett Selleck, the, Selleck, the rookie, and Vernon Davis, uh, um, just that veteran perennial all-pro all pro tight end who had a bad season in 14. Uh, but it looks like he's going to bounce back into his old form. So, again, the Steelers had the two tight ends that they dealt with with New England, and it looks like they're going to deal with the same thing um, against San Francisco. Uh, the 49ers, again, they're going to—they're obviously not going to attack Ben Roethlisberger the same way they attacked Teddy Bridgewater. I, I would still expect pressure from everywhere. That's what Mangini does. He likes to blitz his secondary. Um, if you remember Ty Law back in New England days, you know that was that was the group that Mangini coached, and he loves you know bringing the heat with his secondary, not just from his linebackers and defensive line. So, but you know D'Angelo Williams, you know one reason why we brought him in besides his ability to run, he is an excellent pass blocker. Um, and I remember a couple times on Thursday night, you probably saw it at home. You know Ben Roethlisberger motioning for him to stay at home uh, on on third downs when the Steelers were in a shotgun. Um, you know, so he could stay back and block, and he did an excellent job uh, in, his, in his efforts to keep Big Ben clean. Um, but really, when, when you look at this game, uh, and we'll talk about our three keys of the game now, the Steelers, you know, they got to win. I think that's a huge uh, key to win this game. Uh, you know, the Steelers' offensive line, you know, they passed their first test against the, uh, against the New England Patriots, but this is going to be a 49ers defense that, as I said, only allowed one first down, and held the Vikings, uh, Adrian Peterson, who ran for 2,100 yards two years or three years ago, they held him to 31 yards rushing uh, in that game. So, you know, uh, and, and they were really anchored by Navarro Bowman, who was one of the team's leading tacklers on Monday. He was a guy that uh, missed all the 2014 season after suffering an injury, uh, a big injury, uh, in the Niners' loss to Seattle in the 2013 NFC title game. He was back, and he made a big impact. The Niners' defensive line, you know, again, they've lost a lot of, of moving parts, just like the Steelers' defense. But it seems like, you know, well, you know, in week one at least, uh, they haven't missed a beat. You know, they lost Justin Smith, a, a dominant defensive lineman. They lost Patrick Willis, you know, one of the greatest, if, if not the greatest linebacker of the last several seasons in the NFL. But, again, it, it looks like the scheme, uh, you know, in, in San Francisco is working. Um, so that's going to be something the Steelers' offensive line is going to have to deal with. But, again, they look good against New England. We'll have to do the same thing again. Uh, you know, the Niners are going to want to play keep away. That was evident on Monday night. They rushed for 230 yards. Um, you know, uh, uh, Carlos Hyde almost had, you know, 170 between him and Kaepernick. They had, you know, that was 200 of their 230 rushing yards. So, you know, the 49ers are, are going to try to play keep away. The Steelers have to do the same thing. They need to try to beat the Niners at their own game. You know, so for, for you know, the Steelers' offense, it, it's winning that battle with the offensive line. 
there's no doubt, as good as the Niners' defensive backs are and as good as they are at applying pressure, if Ben has time to throw, you know, it's just – it's not to sound braggadocious, it's just how it is. You know, Big Ben's – you know, he he's up there now with Aaron Rodgers and Brady where if you give that guy time, that's all he needs, and he'll carve up any defense in the NFL. That's where, you know – Roethlisberger is. There might only be three to five quarterbacks in the league you can say that, but that's where Ben is. So that's a huge key to this game is just, you know, protecting Ben, giving him time to throw, and making sure that D'Angelo has room to run so we don't go one-dimensional. Conversely, we kind of know that San Francisco is going to try to attack us, you know, pretty much, you know, running the football. They're a team with an identity. I mean, they are already, you know, so early in the season. They're a team that's going to run the zone read. They're going to do a lot of misdirection. They're going to do a lot of play-action passing or, or just using play-action to set up the run to the pass. Um, we're going to have to be cognizant of that. We're going to have to communicate better on defense. That, that to me, is, is the key on defense is communication. Um, the Steelers' defense did not communicate well against the Patriots. You know, uh, Bud Dupree specifically, he let uh, Gronkowski run right past him on Thursday night, and I, and, and I think it was because he expected help. Uh, which, again, a, a unit with so many moving parts in its first game, uh, you're going to have that. You're going to have the miscommunication uh, issues. But, you know, uh, hopefully the Steelers can clean that up and they'll they'll do a better job defending the Niners' um, running game on uh, on Thursday with that, you know, improved communication. So, and that's the key. We have to shut down on defense the running game of the 49ers or at least contain it and, and force them into some passing situations on third down. The Niners have decent receivers. Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith, a, a formerly of the of the Ravens, um, you know, both of them formerly of the Ravens, actually, Bolden and, and, and Smith, they're good receivers, but com- between them, they only had five catches on, on Monday night. It was Vernon Davis and Selleck that had a combined six catches for 87 yards. Uh, they both had 20-yard receptions as well on 10 targets on Monday night. So, you know, that's going to be key. Uh, it, it's stopping the Niners running game, uh, putting Kaepernick in those third and longer situations when you know he's going to throw, and in those situations, you have to do a good job guarding the tight end, something the Steelers were unable to do Thursday night. Let's see uh, if they improve in that facet on uh, on Sunday at home at Heinz Field. The last thing is they have to win the execution battle. They have to execute better uh, than the Niners. You know, we talked about how the Steelers missed two field goals. They didn't do well in the red zone in large. And Rossberger threw that ill-timed interception late in the game against the Patriots, which helped seal the Steelers' fate on Thursday night. The, uh, the Niners didn't do a good job either executing early in their game against Minnesota. They missed a field goal on their opening drive, and they had a fumbled punt on their on their you know after the Niners punted it back to them or the Vikings punted it back to the Niners. So you know the, the Niners and the Steelers both struggled in terms of execution in Week One, and that's normal. I mean, as I said, it, it's Week One; it happens a lot. Um, so that's going to be something that the Steelers are going to have to 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 do better. They're going to have to execute, take advantage of your scoring opportunities not shoot yourselves in the foot. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that upset Steeler fans on Thursday, aside from, from the woes in the secondary, um, was that, man, this game could have been a win if we would have executed better. So that's something to look out for as well. So to recap, my, my three keys of the game, win the battle at the offensive line of scrimmage, stop the, contain the 49ers running game to force third and longs, and execution, win the execution battle against the Niners, and the Steelers should be victorious. I'm going to go ahead and say the Steelers win, and in all honesty, I don't. I think it's it's going to be a 28 to 17 victory. I think the Steelers' defense responds. I think they play well. I think the offense uh, takes control early of this game, and I think Ben Roethlisberger does what he does. And I think, and and that I think is going to be a big story of this season. You're going to see Big Ben really, 
you know, take command of games early. You could see his frustration on uh, on Thursday night. And afterwards, it's kind of blown over. He's, he's, he's still criticizing New England. He criticized him on his radio show uh, yesterday, talking about how they broke the unwritten rule on the defensive line and, and even going after how they supposedly cheated back in the 04 oh, you know, title game when Ben was a rookie and they lost to New England. So, you know, look for Big Ben early in the game to attack uh, the 49ers uh, defense and take control, and I think the Steelers win 28-17. Uh, one last thing to talk about uh, on our show as we're in our last minute and a half is all the awesome history with these two teams. I mean, from 1974 to 1989, the Steelers uh, and 49ers combined to play in eight Super Bowls, and they won all eight Super Bowls. You've got just a quarterback, Joe Montana, in the Hall of Fame, Terry Bradshaw in the Hall of Fame, Steve Young in the Hall of Fame, Ben Rosberg is going to be in the Hall of Fame. There's just so much history and tradition uh, on both sides of the field. I mean, you can argue in the last 40 years the Steelers and Niners have been the two uh, just just most successful teams in the NFL. So uh, going back to 1984 when the Niners only lost one game all season in route to winning Super Bowl 19, that one loss was to the Steelers. John Stallworth had the game-winning touchdown in that game. The Steelers actually went to the AC title game but couldn't finish the job. They lost to Dan Marino uh, and the Dolphins. So that's kind of the backdrop of this game. It's kind of the awesome history um, that's going to be, you know, hopefully one team will try to continue on in, into this season. The Niners lost the Super Bowl a few years ago. The players still up in that team are thirsty uh, to try to win another one. You know, obviously there, there's some mainstays from the Steelers Super Bowl years led by Roethlisberger still on our team trying to get back to the Super Bowl. And it's fitting that uh, these two teams are playing the same season as Super Bowl 50, uh, the golden anniversary of the Super Bowl, and a game that's been so great to both these franchises over the last 10 years. This has been Brian Yard signing off for this podcast and this edition of the Steel Conversation. And as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.